0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Jamie Mahler, author of Toxic Relationship Recovery, a step-by-step guide to identifying toxic partners, leaving unhealthy dynamics, and healing emotional wounds after a breakup. How do you know when you're in a toxic relationship? Identifying the signs that someone is manipulating you can give you back the clarity and stabilization you seek in relationships. Licensed therapist and trauma specialist Jamie Mahler offers step-by-step tips for spotting those red flags, peeling back the layers of trauma and pain to recultivate the relationship you have with yourself and moving forward with a healthy mindset. She's known for her relationship therapy work on TikTok with millions of views and likes. She was recently part of the Creators Summit on Mental Health Harvard Chan School, along with Carson Daly and other healthcare advocates focusing on connecting social media influencers to improve mental health content. She's a mental health contributor for USA Today, NBC News, Bustle, Insider Parade, and more. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Nice to have you on.
1: Hi, nice to have, nice to see you this morning, hear you this
0: morning. Hear me, you can't, see, you hopefully see. you can't see me this morning, you can just hear me. Yeah, we're just going to yes. do the, yes. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to see me, the voices, yeah, where I want to listen to you, but uh, toxic relationships, all right, I'm assuming you've had a toxic relationship somewhere in your career, so have I, so has everybody, right, but uh, very difficult to recover from toxic relationships. How, I, I just want to step back for a minute you, I, and because I, I, you're on TikTok. You have millions of followers um, and views and likes, uh, as I said. How do you get millions of views and followers? I mean, how do, let's start with that because a lot of people are listening to you. Um, and it's really critical Like what you have to say about toxic relationships. Um, I, I don't know. Is that two questions? I, I'm not sure.
1: No, you're good. Um so yeah, I'm actually on all social platforms. I I'm not on X, um but I'm on all the other ones and I think my collective following is about 1.5 million right now. So, um I mean that that's more just a testament to people's interest in mental health right now and really trying to absorb as much information as possible. Uh, that they really haven't gotten taught in school. So when I tell people, you know, what it, when, when people, I guess, ask, what's the draw? Really, I think they're really starving for a foundation of mental health education. And, you know, I, I tell stories about my mental health education in school growing up, um, was Psych 101, where we, you know, learned about Freud and Anna and, you know, Pavlov. Like that wasn't teaching me emotional skills. That really wasn't teaching me the basic level of interaction for relational dynamics. And so people are starving for this information. And there really isn't even an infrastructure in most of our education systems. Um, even in a lot of the core curriculum, yeah, they might have Psych 101, but In colleges, Psych 101, I mean, obviously I've gone through Psych 101, you get a lot of statistics, you get a lot of, you know, showing the little graphs and all that stuff, but you're not really getting, hey, let's sit down, let's learn emotional skills, let's learn how to treat each other well, let's learn relational skills. So I think that's a missing point in our education system that many people are trying to fill that gap, and I just happen to be one of them. So what ended up happening is, you know, the pandemic happened and yes, I, I started on TikTok, so I think that's where most people think of me, um, but expanded to all the other channels. And I really think what they gravitated towards was showing real life examples and I did a lot of role playing. I did a lot of talking directly to you um, using a real life scenario that a lot of people have gone through, you know, Hey, remember what it's like at Thanksgiving? How do we navigate those conversations? You know, what does it feel like when a parent bullies us, you know, as an adult, right? So just a few topics, you know, just off the top of my head, but what really relates back to the book is that the book is just riddled with real life examples. When people are like, sometimes I read these books and they just talk over my head, They use words and I don't understand them. And then they try to get me to like understand how to integrate them into my life. And then I don't even know where to start. And then I just, you know, throw the book on my nightstand and never see it again. Right.
0: And yeah. I, I think that's true. And I, I'm going to interrupt you for a minute. Yes, Cause I think that's, yes. that is where it is at. We have all these academic books, whether it's social work, psychology, psychiatry, you're right. Freud, his daughter, all those, Anna Freud, but, you're really giving people, you're sort of stepping into their living room or bedroom or wherever it is and saying, this is what happens in real life, right? And this is how you can handle it. So it's, I guess the word that comes up to me is like practical, it's a very practical book. Now you said riddled with real life examples, let's talk about some of those real life examples that you have in the book when we're talking about toxic relationships, because they can be with a sexual partner. They can be with your boss. They can be with your mother-in-law. It's not just related specifically to a partner or a spouse.
1: Sure. And that's actually what I point out for anyone who's even who's listening. That's like, well, you know, it's framed for a partner. Yet what I would say is when you read these examples, if you just change the word partner to boss, you're immediately going to see the parallel, right? So it's going to be relevant regardless because it's about somatic toxic traits that infiltrate most systems that we're involved in. And so when that happens, it's it's universal. Unfortunately, I wish it wasn't, but it is. I mean, we really see these traits so commonly throughout Every, pe- every person's relationship dynamic. So um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you, I mean, I could give you an example from the book. Basically what I do is one of the first ones I give is um, I talk about relational foundations. So we talk about where did the concept of normalizing toxic interactions come from? Um, where did we get taught? how to, uh, understand ourselves, right? How did we understand our identity? How did we understand how to get along with our siblings? Um, I use an example about, uh, this, I mean, obviously these are all hypothetical, theoretical kind of things. Uh, but I use an example of Jay, who's like a teenager and his mom is a very like, quiet demeanor doesn't really speak up for herself. Doesn't really speak up for the kids. The dad's really not around much. And the boy, it's like a boy house, right? It's a bunch of boys. And they all start talking very terribly about their girlfriends and Jay's the youngest. And he's watching his older brothers talk about their girlfriends, like their objects, like their trash, like they're just someone to kind of just get with. And, they're They're meaningless, kind of, and so then i I bring that example to fruition, and I say now Jay starts dating, and he genuinely expects his partner to just bend at his will, and he's sixteen years old, right? so it's like they're they're still fairly young, but the modeling that's been occurring for years in Jay's life because the mother's very passive and the dad's not around that much. It's just coming straight from the older teenage brothers. Um, and he genuinely thinks it's normal. He thinks it's normal to treat his girlfriend terribly. And that can be obviously grow into adulthood. So So modeling is critical, as you're
0: saying, I think that that's and that's really important. And I always wonder why we don't think about, well, how do we learn to be uh, how do we learn to be a partner, a mother, uh, a father? As you're describing it, we we don't really think about that for some reason when we as as we get older and as you say, the 16 year old gets into relationships with women. You know, we haven't really defined toxic. Maybe I should step back because I'm thinking. (laughs)
1: yeah well i mean these are these are just behaviors that devalue attack neglect they they truly they're behaviors that are very um i would say honestly the breeding ground for personality disorders really when people are um treating each other with complete lack of humanity uh and these traits infiltrate you know most dynamics and we see it happen so you know if i if i have a partner and i treat them like they're an object or i treat them like they belong to me a possession right what am i doing i'm ignoring their humanity i'm neglecting their emotional health i'm orienting everything toward my own prioritization And of course that's abusive. Of course that's a toxic trait, right? So, I mean, it's hard to answer in one specific way because it, it really shows up in so many different ways. Many people will be like, my partner never put their hands on me, but they also never talked to me. I go, well, that kind of sounds like emotional neglect. And I and they go, Oh no, 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 no. I mean like, they just like, they're just kind of, they do their own thing. And I'm like, right. But every time when you try to have any emotional intimacy, and get to know them better, or get to like, be bonded with them more, what happened? Oh, they just told me to go away, right? Okay, well, this yeah. sounds emotionally successful, right? So I mean, people are going, how could that be a toxic relationship? And I'm like, that is absolutely a toxic relationship, because yeah. the person that's inside of that relationship is basically kind of just a shell of a partner and they're not really developing a mutual dynamic. Right. Um, So, I mean, you know, that's the kind of roundabout way to answer that because I could sit here and give you like 15 scenarios of different types of toxic relationships, (laughs) but um, they usually have a lot of common themes of neglect, criticism, cruelty,
0: unkindness, um, I'm thinking, thinking of another one. Manipulation yeah. is another yeah. one, I think. Oh, in 100%. Of, yeah. 100%. Uh, yeah. yeah. I a mean, lot of,
1: cruelty right there. I mean, yeah. manipulation, control, power, dynamics right there. Yeah. Power dynamics come into play. Those are usually like the, uh, those are the most intense on in the spectrum. Um, so for listeners that don't usually hit that level of intensity, a lot of this is, this is actually why this book was so hard in the beginning, because. I wanted to go to the extreme example, but I knew the majority of people that never experienced that extreme example would immediately discount the partner that just net like the the example. I just gave you the neglectful partner. Um, They will immediately go, Oh, well then my relationship isn't toxic because they're not like, they're not doing this coercive thing, blah, blah, blah. They're just not, present to me. And I go, Ooh, you know, this is where, so I had to w- walk this tightrope of like explaining different layers of toxic traits. And then obviously the, the, you know, mega, the mega mammoth of the spectrum, which is like the heightened spectrum, severe spectrum is, you know, power and control. Which is So once you identify the, the
0: toxic media. partner yeah. and our partners um. Well, you could have, I mean, are there two toxic partners? I mean, you need two of them to play, do the dance, right? As you, so it's not, I mean, do you? Yeah, this, this is tricky. <laughs>
1: so, um, it would depend on, I guess, the scenario, um, There are definitely cases where there are two very wounded people that are dealing with their own traumas, and they come together, and they find each other, and it just clusters together. And it's very problematic, and they both show different traits, and they're slinging them at each other, and it just becomes a big mess um and then there are the i mean there's there are very there i don't i don't I don't even want to use the word unique cuz this actually happens to probably more people you know like you might have a friend i'm sure you know most of us have friends like this where we're like you know they were in a really good place they had their life together they had their work together they knew what they wanted they knew who they were and then they met this person and it was just like their life fell apart, right? And I go, sometimes there are situations where people really get blinded and they have a very highly crafted person on the other side of their manipulation skills. So of course, right, it's the classic, I got into the relationship, everything was fine. They seemed amazing. They seemed like they had their life together. And then, you know, each month you keep getting updates like, oh, I thought he had a job. They didn't have a job. Oh, they're asking me for money. Oh, you know, I thought they were close to their family. No, they're not. Like, you know, and then slowly the lies start getting, you know, exposed and now they're deep in the relationship. And then, you know, God forbid they have a kid together and now they're bound for life. And I mean, these things happen way more often than we think they do. So when we go, okay, well, it takes two to tango. Of course, it takes two to tango. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't even frame it as it's always two toxic people that are um, just kind of clustering deeper and deeper into it. Sometimes it's the other side, which is the, I just reviewed, you know. And what ends up happening in that case is, and that's in this book. We have to untangle where the boundary wasn't set and what happened to you, like the person that was the person that had their life together and then they found themselves spiraling deeper into this power and control problem. So you can get
0: it's what you're almost, saying is one yeah, can get have, have pretty healthy uh, behaviors in terms of relationships, let's say, but then someone comes along, but you can get duped. I mean thinking about yep, duped 100%. and it also can be as you're describing it insidious. It happens over time and so that you don't yep. real one doesn't realize that it's happening. All right. Right. We're say right. we're at that point and you are able, as in the title, to identify, okay, this person that I'm with is a toxic partner. Then what do you do? I mean, it's it's very difficult, I think, for many people people to, first of all, admit it, and second of all, to either work on the relationship or when do you know can't do it? I mean, this is not working and I need to leave the relationship because that's very difficult to do, isn't it? Well, I'm asking you.
1: Well, no, you're So, I mean, one (laughs) thing immediately would be to identify the level of effort that's happening on both sides, not one side, because if we're going to pretend, you know, Sally is the person that's trying really hard. Uh, If Sally's trying really hard, um, we can't, you know, ride the coattails of Sally's efforts, her going to individual therapy, her taking these classes, her reading this book. It's, yes, she is showing up with a lot of effort, but if her partner is sitting there and saying, yeah, 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 all that psychobabble, like, I don't care, da, 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 da what they're basically saying is I, I have zero level of commitment to have any effort put forth in this task of trying to recover the dynamics between the two of us. And so if people are like, what do you do now? One of the things I'd ask right away is what type of energy are you getting from your partner? Are you getting energy of I am going to try? Um, are you getting... I won't even bother or here's the tricky one. I am trying, but it's just lip service and I'm trying to string you along. So you don't catch on to me lying to you, right? That one, that one happens. And that one feels the relationship's going to get drawn on forever because it's a cycle, right? Where it's, you have a fight, they say they're getting better they do zero effort. This is the point. This is the point I'm going to linger on for a second, right? Yep. They do not actually tangibly do anything, though. They say it during the conflict. They go, you're right. I need to do something. Maybe I need to cut back on my drinking. Maybe I need to go talk to somebody. Maybe I need to get out there and hang out with my buddies a little more. You know, maybe I need to learn some skills. Maybe I need to pick up that book. Right. All of that was just said to you. And another month goes by, another two months goes by, the conflicts still continue. You notice there was zero change in their behavior. They didn't connect with someone. Remember, you do not have to call to get your partner. You do not, if anything, I encourage as a therapist, do not make a call for your partner to go to therapy. Like that type of healing has to be their own consent, right? So for example, if they aren't making the call, If they aren't making the effort, if they aren't opening the books, what's happening is now we have to stop listening to the words that come out of their mouth and we have to look very radically honest at the scenario of their actions. And if their actions are showing you that there is no movement, no effort, then you have to believe the
0: action. Not the words. Okay, the action, not the words. Now, I want to talk about those traits that you can identify as you are experiencing those actions, because you talk about that in the book, like being the toxic partner is passive aggressive, defensive, shifts blame. Those ha, ha, put that in a context.
1: Sure. I mean, what you're really going to look for is when you are trying. So. So in this case, let's just use this scenario, right? Like let's just keep using the word Sally. So Sally <laughs> Sally did so did a bunch of work, like at least started the process of like learning the emotional skills, language. She had to learn the language of mental health. She had to understand what boundaries were. She had to understand all these complex ideas. So she brings this to her partner and she goes, Hey, let's talk about that conflict we had last night. I really want us to have a calm conversation. I've learned that this is the best way to do it. We've had time to breathe. We've had time to like think about what happened. I would like to dialogue because I want this relationship to be mended. I want this wound to start healing, right? So that's really what she's theoretically saying. She comes into this scenario and her part, this is this is a tell-all, right? We're going to let them tell on themselves in their response. Okay, so if we're looking for traits of someone that's not ready to do this type of mental labor and mental effort, it is many times framed like that's water under the bridge. Why are you holding a grudge? Why are you holding this over me? Why can't you let this go? Why is this so important to you? Oh, my God, it's always something with you. Oh, this is so dramatic, right? Right off the, I mean, these are just a few examples. There's other ways they can respond, but like, right, let's start there. So that's their response. If I'm going to translate that for just the average person, what they're really telling you is I would not like you to bid me to process the emotional pain that happened during that conflict. I do not want to do that. And what I'm doing with that strategy is I'm projecting it back as though you're the problem for bringing it up. So I'm going to frame it as though you are the aggressor in this issue, when in reality, you are prompting healing for the relationship. You aren't attacking that person. You aren't even... Whatever you're doing in the discussion, you're saying, "I am not attempting to attack you in any way. I am asking for us to hold space for how difficult that conversation went last night. Both of us raised our voice. I will hold myself accountable for that. I'm trying to work on my tone when I'm upset. I'm going to hold myself, you know, present to that. I want you to know that you don't deserve to have like someone raise their tone to me to you." um and i want to talk about it i want to talk about how we both come conf- like had that conflict last night and here's the here's the shutdown well i don't want to talk about it so i guess you're just going to have to get over it yourself so at that moment what they're telling you is i don't want to i don't want to learn the skill i don't want to be held any way accountable for the way i acted you know, I I threw a lamp, I called you a curse word, whatever, right? I don't want, I don't want to hold space for that. Um, And I'm going to actually put this back on you and make you just process this alone, which basically they're framing it in a way of like, you're kind of in a relationship with yourself right now. And I'm just using you as a beating post whenever I get frustrated. And so right there, that is kind of an impasse because if they're showing up, and I don't mean just one time, right? So let's say this happens once, but let's say this is the pattern for years of when you have attempted to dialogue about things that have hurt you or that have hurt the relationship. Um, If that's the dialogue for years, that's an impasse that means that that person has told you in so many words they're no longer willing to grow or they have never been willing to grow
0: with you in the relationship so then it's time to leave I'm assuming is, mm. is that the next step? And and that's a whole process in and of itself, which is if you've been doing this or going through that, I'm calling it the that loop for many years to really say, maybe I have to leave the relationship and how do I do it? Um, we have a right. couple minutes left. Can you tell us how to do it sure. in two minutes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I always give a caveat here because when we do talk about the se- severe spectrum, if we go into the severe spectrum, that can get it can get lethal unfortunately i used to work in severe mental health and it can get lethal it can people can attack each other and you know people can end up you know not with us anymore they can die you know and so i do get very cautious when i give just kind of like generalized advice on this because You know, the last thing I want someone to do is um, listen to this show and be like, okay, well, then I have to leave them. And then, you know, they get attacked by a partner that's very controlling. Right. Um, So, first of all, take that into account that not every relationship is safe to immediately leave like this. And some people have to have teams around them. They have to call their social worker. They have to call their therapist, they have to call their local, you know, like they have to get people involved to make sure they can get out of this relationship safe. Right. So right up to that, that's the extreme example. But for those people that aren't in the extreme examples, the ones that aren't getting threatened with, you know, their lives and stuff um, what we're talking about is you're really needing to do a lot of almost step back in that scenario and think about the life that, or the type of bond and the type of relationship that you want to have yourself and the type of person you want to be. Because when people are like, how do I get the audacity to leave? How do I get the confidence to leave? And I go, when you can find inside of yourself this passion for a vigorous and thriving life, That comes from a deep bond with yourself. And after a toxic relationship, what ends up happening is that bond with yourself has been destroyed. So sometimes it's just give yourself space. And sometimes that doesn't even mean you're going to break up right away. It might mean you're just separating or you're giving yourself time, right? Okay. So give yourself time. That would be one of the things right off the bat. Give yourself some time and space.
0: We're going to stop with give yourself some time because we don't have any time left. And I have to say. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) so give yourself time and and then we would proceed to do some more work. There you go. (laughs) Now I understand why you have millions of views and followers on TikTok. Um, Lots of great information. So we want people to read the book, Toxic Relationship Recovery, a step-by-step guide to identifying toxic partners leaving unhealthy dynamics and healing emotional wounds after a breakup. We've touched on, just touched the surface of some of these issues that are discussed in the book. So website or websites we can go to, to buy the book and learn more about you and your show.
1: Yes, you can uh, find me at com. You can also just search my name, Jamie Mailer. Um, I'm also on all the social medias, mostly. Um, at Recollected Self. And yeah, I offer a bunch of stuff there. My book's on there, my coaching's there, my programs are there. So definitely check it out if you want to connect with me.
0: Great. Thanks. Jamie Mailer, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I appreciate you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.